it's our penultimate episode. So there's only one thing to do. Make the messiest minute on television. Welcome to game shows, I suppose. Welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about game shows. I suppose I'm your host, Jordan Haas. This is a really exciting episode because today we're talking Double Dare, but uh, it's also weird because it's also the end of a few other things. For starters, this is going to be the last cold open. This is the last welcome I'll ever uh, give in game shows, I suppose. Uh, next week's episode, The Price is Right, uh, it was already recorded well into advance, and it was a rambling long episode, almost two hours. So this is kind of like the real goodbye, if that makes sense. Uh, I want to thank Intellectual Dark Wave at IntellectualDA8 on Twitter. Uh, they were the composer of the game shows, I suppose, theme song they've heard every week pretty much for over a year. Uh, a fantastic uh, musician, great, great composer. I can't thank them enough. And uh, yeah, it's, this is feeling really real to me that this is the end of game shows, I suppose. Um, so... It, it, it's kind of like weird to do like a big rambly session right now. So all I can say is thank you for listening to this. Uh, thank you anyone who's got involved with the podcast in one form or another. Uh, if you want to say hello to me, I'm on Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh, com slash podcast is where you can hear more episodes. Uh, there's bonus content over at patreon.com slash Jordan Haas featuring uh, uh, game shows I haven't really discussed publicly here, but have months in advance over there. Uh, so I, I had a lot of fun. If, if I'm going to talk game shows again, most likely you'll be hearing it on Patreon instead of this feed. And I encourage you to try and just stay put on jordanhaas.com because I'm sure I will give updates uh, when the when the days and weeks progress of what I'm doing next. So uh, if you liked what I did, I'll still try and do things. Um, but between August through the end of Dece- of November. I've most likely tried to get a lot of things done in my personal life as well. So thank you 
uh, in advance. If during those four months you've given me very kind words, uh, letters of hope, uh, letters of encouragement, and just general nice things, I really appreciate that. Sometimes that's more than just uh, a couple of bucks on patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. I don't know if I plugged to Patreon yet. I might as well say it a second time. So now, with that being said, before we get to that super sloppy game show, we gotta say goodbye to this 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. This was The Pricing Game Spotlight. Gridlock! There's exclamation points. I have to act like it's Jeopardy. Like, Gridlock! Like, like it's, it's scream. Uh, Gridlock is a uh, premiere date, September 18th, 2017, 8011K. Gridlock is a pricing game that debuted September 18th, 2017. It's played for a car. Contestants must navigate many cars out of lane of traffic and into an empty lane by correctly giving the price of the vehicle to win. The contestants shown a series of mini cars that spotted the first digit in the price of the gray car. Then they must pick the pair of numbers from one of the three blue cars to figure out the second and third numbers in the price. Uh, then they must pick the second pair of numbers from one of the three orange cars to make out the fourth and fifth price. Basically, the black car is going to say it's a one, a two, a three. Then... Is it four six, making it twenty four thousand six hundred? Is it thirty six? Is it twenty three thousand six hundred? Or is it uh, fifty one, twenty five thousand one hundred? Then you get to the orange ones, one hundred twenty three, one hundred forty six, one hundred fifty five. Uh, the contestant must pick out the fourth and fifth numbers to complete the prize. If they make a mistake, they get one do-over, but if they guess incorrectly a second prize, they lose the game. Basically, uh, this is Penny Ante, but with a car. You get one shot at, one, one mistake, and then you, you're done. Um, Gridlock was created by current director Adam Sandler. Not that Adam Sandler, we already made that joke. Gridlock debuted September 18, 2017. Show's 46-season premiere. Its very first playing was a loss. Gridlock received its first win October 3, 2017, the game's second playing. Gridlock received its second win on October 10, 2017, and was played for a $97,950 Lexus LC 500 Coupe during Dream Car Week. This marks the most expensive car offered in the game and the most expensive car won. Gridlock received its first Perfect playing October 17th, 2017. Gridlock received its first wipeout December 15th, 2017. Gridlock received its second wipeout May 8th, 2018. Third wipeout May 14th, 2018. Fifth, fourth, January 25th. They really love showing the wipeouts. The wipeout basically is you have two choices and you couldn't even get past the blue car level. Uh, Yeah, they really love showing the wipeouts. Okay, next. Uh, eighth wipeout, ninth wipeout. No one can... I don't care about wipeouts. Oh boy, someone screwed up the show and got the, the game wrong. It happens all the time on the show. You, you win or you lose. It happens. Uh, Gridlock is defined as a traffic jam affecting the whole network of intersecting streets, which is why it looks like a freeway. 
This pricing game is a combination of playing add em up and money game. First of all, you can make one mistake before you're out. Second of all, you have to finish the game by predicting the last two numbers and the price of the car to win. Gridlock is one of the four pricing games that need a lot of time to start up, like Rat Race, Double Cross, and Hot Seat. So therefore, it can be no earlier than third place. This is the last pricing game of the 2010s. That's right, we are done with the 2010s. Not that many pricing games showed up in 2010s. It happens. Uh, but Gridlock is a very fun game. I'll think about like Penny Annie because you can make one mistake and you're okay. Yes, no. But it's like a click, click, boonk. And the tech is kind of in the mechanics of the cars pulling out and then trying to drive inwards to hit next to the car to fill up the price of the car. And that's it. And when you're wrong, you hear like an err, and then there's like the caution sign. I think that's also a very fun mechanic in Gridlock. Uh, it feels very old school, but also very new as well because of the traffic jam. But something tells me this game breaks often for some reason because you don't really see it played that often on the show. And it's basically a uh, ABC game, ABC game, play twice. It's simple to understand. Figure out the second, third digits, then find the fourth and fifth digits of these three, of these three. That's it. But uh, that's... It's okay. I like that game. I wish it's played more often, but maybe they just don't trust the gameplay. Maybe it breaks often. Maybe they're trying to fix the game so it's easier to understand. Maybe they're just going to like have like some mechanic like an RC, someone backstage pushing the cars with magnets. Something? Anything? I don't know. But uh, there's not a lot to say about Gridlock other than it's a nice little car set. There's a little TV monitor on the side. And I'm thinking that's kind of the new normal when it comes to these pricing games is they have to have a TV monitor to make sure everything's set up nice. Which is fine, but like at some point I think there, there's going to be a push and shove match with these monitors for the sake of monitors. Um, but I like the innovation, the technology of the cars in gridlock but i that was like three years ago when that game debuted we're now in 2020 and uh as of this recording which was done in the summer this is it we're all done the 110 part series the pricing game spotlight has come to an end and i can't thank you all enough for taking the journey with me through all these pricing games the highs and the lows. Um, I honestly thought we were going to probably stop sometime in the 80s. Um, but I figure if we are going to put it into this podcast or put it away on the side for the time being, we we might as well do it with like this game show because this game show means a lot to so many people. And uh, unless next week... There's a new pricing game, and I have no clue there was a new pricing game between now and then. Um, next time, there's no pricing game spotlight. This is the last one. Next time on the show, we're talking about The Price is Right. As in, this game show, The Price is Right. And I'll see you soon.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing I know something about. Game shows, I suppose. The Solo Sessions. I'm your host, Jordan Haas, and I'm going to be taking you on a thrill ride to Double Dare today. One of my all-time favorite game shows of all time. And we are not just talking about the one that you know and love with Mark Summers, but we're going to go through all the generations from Double Dare 2000 with Jason Harris to its modern day reboot with Liza Koshy. I know, I know. Man, I really want you to talk about Alex Trebek's Double Dare. Well, okay, I guess we have a bit of time. Double Dare with Alex Trebek was not related at all to Double Dare with Mark Summers. However, the theme song that was used in Double Dare was later reused for Card Sharks. The However, the scoring mechanic of Double Dare would be later used in the Nickelodeon game show Double Dare. Double Dare in Trebek's land was a show where you got context clues to a person place or thing if you rang in with the correct answer you would win fifty dollars but then you can dare your opponent to figure it out with the next clue for double the dollars making it one hundred dollars however if you they couldn't figure it out that second time around you could then double dare them for four times the amount but no there is no answer the question or take the physical challenge Whoever was the first to $500 would go on to the spoilers round, where they got three PhD-level experts, and they would get chosen up to eight categories. And of these eight little clues, they would either keep it or they would dump it. If they keep it, they go through each of the PhDs. If they can figure it out, well, then they are a strike. And if all three can figure it out, well, then the round is over. However... If you stump just one of the three experts, you will win $5,000. It was kind of cool because of the spoiler concept. Uh, Alex Trebek was a good game show host on there, and it had a nice light board. Great design, and I really like the blue set dressing. I think the idea of getting the clues to figure out the person, place, or thing was kind of interesting, and I think that was the original presentation of how Alex Trebek handled questions on Jeopardy really go back and then look back at how he hosted jeopardy early days almost parallel i still love that theme song now that's what i used for a multitude of these episodes anyway that show got ended very early and then they created a new game show called double dare this was a show that aired on nickelodeon which at the time really had nothing going for it it was just pinwheel this was the i can't you can't do this on television channel you would have reruns of old cartoons and that was about it however because this was owned by mtv networks they were trying to make how mtv was for the teenagers and the young adults this is for kids so this was the only network for kids and they were trying their hardest to make it feel like Anything can happen. This is a wild, crazy uh, show. And there's a whole lot of names attached to the creation of the show. Jeffrey Darby, Michael Klinghoffer, Dee LaDuke, uh, Robert Miffenthal, and Debbie Beast, which would do Family Double Dare. The idea was that we have to make sure our kids get their very own game show. Because when they were pitching Nickelodeon, they were like, well, what does a cable channel typically have? What does a network have? They have news, so Nick News. Uh, they have sitcoms. Okay, we, well, we'll get some sitcoms. They have uh, they have their own uh, 
dramas, soap opera. So they were trying to figure out like what's the kids equivalent of this while still being family friendly, being for kids. So their whole idea was simply put, we have to have X, Y, and Z and fill in the ticks. And one of those ticks just happened to be a game show. And they were pitching all sorts of different game shows until one sat based on the game show the kids would know, that of Truth or Dare. When they were originally pitching a Truth or Dare style game show, uh, a lot of people who were experts in game shows kind of pointed out how this was similar back in the day to shows like Truth or Consequences. Because they always had the envision of a physical challenge of some kind that would be the dare of the Truth or Dare. However, what would become really quite known is how, because they were so focused on teens, they would know that the schoolyard tradition, if I dare you to do it, well, I double dare you to do it. Now, there is no triple dare, but more until 2000. So the double dare stuck as the name of the show. The set design of the show is also very cool. Unlike other game shows where the set would either be like Wheel of Fortune on that linoleum floor and in sparkly, flashy lights. This show did have the sparkly lights, but they wanted it to not look like anything else. So they modeled it after bathrooms at the time. That's why the podiums had towel racks. That's why the the tiling floor in the background looked that certain way because that was what bathroom walls looked like back in the day. When it came to kids' game shows, most of the time... Okay, it was really all, all the time. It, it was taking a version of a popular game show already at the time and then just adding Junior to the end. For instance, they, they had storybook squares instead of Hollywood squares. So they had kids answer Hollywood squares riddles, but instead of like, I'll take Paul Lynn, it's, well, I'll take the big bad wolf. Video Village would get Video Village Junior and later shenanigans. Pyramid had Junior Partner Pyramid. Where was the kids' game show in all this? Well, often it was never really a game for kids. It was an adult show that we gave to kids, and we treated it as if, like, well, this is just as good, right? It's Joker, 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 Joker's Joker's Wild, so have fun with it. And obviously, they revolted. This is a show that's for kids. This is a game show that we're trying to target to kids. And because of the bathroom, oh, there's a little bit of crude comedy there. And when it comes to the physical challenges, why, yes, they deliberately intended it to be a little bit crude in in style with plungers and water cans and a little bit slapstick and cream pies. But they were aiming for more beat-the-clock style challenges rather than what would ultimately become the physical challenges on Double Dare, where it would be out-of-the-box and crazy, messy challenges. But what also made the show very unique was the introduction sequence. While most game shows would just show the set and introduce the contestants and they walk on stage or just a big set piece, Double Dare does something different. It immediately instructs you on the action with those magic words. On your mark, get set, go! These two teams are trying to scramble for first place by tossing eggs into the giant chef hat on their partner. The first team to get two eggs wins on the only show that's only yolking around, 
Double Dare! Alright, we're getting it's getting close. There's okay, there's one on the red team. One on the red team. Alright, uh getting close. Oh, oh wait, it looks like we're getting there. I think we're, we're almost close. It's just one egg in there. There we go. I think that's it. We got two. We got two eggs. And, uh, and that's it. We're going to just come on back here. Let's play some more Double Dare. And now here's the host of Double Dare, the guy who always cracks you up, Mark Summers. Oh, thank you, Harvey. Thank you, audience. Welcome to Double Dare. This is the show that dares you to run on our obstacle course and, in the process, win eight fabulous prizes. And, yes, now we get to go to the introduction part of Mark Summers. So, Mark Summers uh, got his start basically in doing magic. He was always a comedian, uh, and one of his things that he was doing back in the day was magic tricks. He loved doing those tricks because you can practice over and over again to get just right, to get that perfection going. And he was learning a lot about television at the time. He was enjoying the new medium of television, laughing at sitcoms at the time, and, of course, Johnny Carson in The Tonight Show. And what he did not know was him getting so frustrated doing the same actions over again, and if that, that one misstep, he would get very frustrated. Sometimes he would make a mess and clean and then clean and overclean. And he did not know this, but even though he was loving to clean and doing things over and over again, he at an early age didn't find out he had obsessive compulsive disorder. And not only that, he didn't know about his um, dislike of, of mess. Now, when I mean his dislike of mess, I, I don't mean like there there's like a spill far away. It, it, it's on either his person or in his area. When there's a little mess around his zone, that is, that is something that uh, would trigger that, that obsessive-compulsive disorder. He loved entertainment so much and loved The Tonight Show and loved Johnny Carson that he would end up working as an NBC page. You know, kind of like, kind of like Kenneth on 30 Rock, where a little tower tie, give this, the tour guide, all that fun stuff. One of his dreams and aspirations was to have his own magic special on NBC. Not just host The Tonight Show and do jokes, just do magic. And one thing he really enjoyed when working at NBC was the game shows, because NBC was a powerhouse for game shows, especially in the 60s and 70s and early 80s with things like Concentration. And he was doing a lot of fill-in work on many game shows. And one of his last known things before booking Double Dare was being the substitute announcer for Bruce Forsyth's Hot Streak. Oh, man, feels like just a few months ago we were talking about that show. And now here we are. So the pilot presentation was actually hosted by Darby, Jeffrey Darby, the creator of the show. Uh, mostly because he wanted to pitch the show to the network, and they liked what they saw because it was just an one-round trivia and then a very, I would say, playground-cheap bonus round uh, that was the original obstacle course. When they were going to go into the the official season, they had a few people in mind to host the show. The first one was Soupy Sales. Yes, Soupy Sales uh, from the Soupy Sales show. The guy who told 
people, hey, look in your parents' purse and remove the funny green pieces of paper with presidents and mail them to him. That guy. And while he did continue being the face of, of like children's entertainment, he was mostly booked as like the guest star on a lot of celebrity-based game shows like Hollywood Squares and To Tell the Truth. And Junior, Almost Anything Goes, which was, it's a knockout. But for kids, wouldn't that be fun? Nickelodeon thought, yeah, he's a little too old. He was from the 60s, and we are now in the mid-80s. Uh, can we get someone else? And the other person they had in mind was a guy by the name of Dana Carvey. Yes, that Dana Carvey, famous impersonator and voice of George Bush back in the late 80s, early 90s on Saturday Night Live. Garf from Wayne's World was the original idea for a host for Double Dare. But... As he was auditioning, he was also auditioning for a role on Saturday Night Live. And ultimately, as one would expect, you can either go with the Saturday Night Live, the show that you've obviously worked to get towards, or you can host this weird children's game show on this network that's just started. What would you do? Now, it's be confused with, well, well, what would you do, host by Mark Summers later? Uh... <laughs> They had to do all sorts of applicants for the show. They reviewed over a thousand applicants from New York and Los Angeles. And he was attending a tryout uh, in lieu of a friend and would eventually pass multiple auditions. And because of his experience as a warm up person in audiences, would later get booked the job for the final audition. It was between two people. He got the gig. And what they liked about it was. It was a bit younger than he actually was. People thought he was in his early 20s, and he was actually 34 years old when he got the job. Because of this contract, and everyone thought he was, you know, a youngster, Nickelodeon told him, do not publicize your age while you still are around here. And they had to figure out where to go. Now, gotta keep in mind here, when Double Dare first started, they did not have Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida. In New York, while it's comfortable, is not necessarily the right uh, budget for a game show that's going to be done on the cheap, like a game show like Nickelodeon. So they went the next state over to Pennsylvania. So as they were going to Philadelphia, John Harvey, who was doing on-air radio at the time, was the announcer. He was never a warm-up guy. He was never a kid's presenter. He's just a guy doing the drive time point. So for him to do this was kind of just like a questionable act. Uh, in addition to that, they also had on-set stage assistants. The two famous ones would be Robin and Dave. Uh, Robin and Dave, they were just kind of just stage assistants. They weren't really actors or wanting to be the co-host. They were kind of just, they were supposed to be just the muscle that pushes the uh, little challenges and set things up quickly when someone says physical challenge. Darby envisioned the set to look like a swimming pool uh, because of its a yellow and pink in exterior, uh, a natatorium, as he said. Uh, but Robert Miffendahl wanted to derive it from a bathroom. All the music from Double Dare was composed by Ed Kalehoff. Ed is an infamous name in the world of game show music. 
composing the Monday Night Football theme, the theme to Concentration, Tattletales, Card Sharks, that one famous theme song, the original Double Dare theme song, Family Feud, and yes, you guessed it, the theme song to The Price is Right. It, the, the Price is Right. And yes, Double Dare as well. So if you need something that's really jazzy, really upbeat, really cool, you get Ed on the line, and he's got it for you. So we got the set built. We have the music package. We got Now we have Mark Summers. We have the music package ready. We are in Philadelphia to save money. We got our contestants, and here we go. We are about to start the, the season of Double Dare. Pickup was really smart. 65 episodes 65 divided by 5 is 13 that means 13 weeks of game shows because you're going five nights a week well okay this is a kids game show so it's more afternoons but yes so we're going monday through friday for 13 weeks straight 65 episodes we're about to uh, record the very first episode of double dare we are good to go and things seem kind of normal. We got through the entire rules of the show, which I'll get to in a bit. I, I feel like I should point that at the midpoint of the show instead of like right now. So we got through our quiz round. We got through our physical challenges. Round two. Oh, we're all good. You won. You're going to the obstacle course. You got to get through each obstacle. For each obstacle, you grab a flag, you pass it off, you win a prize. This is Nightmare. Look at this big pillowcase full of, of uh, feathers. All you gotta do is find the feathers, uh, find the flag through the feathers. Pass it to your opponent. You pass it to your partner, and you'll win this. All right, here we go. This is for that wonderful trip to Disneyland or Disney World. On your mark, get set, go. Contestants jumping into the nightmare feathers. He's digging through, digging through. It's the first obstacle. First obstacle. Uh, ooh, nothing's happening. Keep looking. There's there's a flag there somewhere. Meanwhile, backstage, did you have the feather? I thought you put the flag in. Uh-oh. Neither of us put the flag in. All right, we got to redo it. We got to redo this. Uh, sorry about that. The kid's, like, already upset because he's crying. You're like, I didn't win a single pro. All right, take two. Now this time around, all you gotta do is just we just we just put it right at the top. All right, on your mark, get set, go. All right, just open that pillowcase and there's the flag right there. Where's the flag? What the what the hell just happened? There was supposed to be a flag in here. Don't tell me you forgot to get. They forgot to put the flag in the pillowcase a second time okay third attempt oh god the camera's not working all right take four take four i know you you went through the course again i know we're so sorry we've been keeping you for another 10 minutes all right so we now know don't run into the camera crew okay there's a flag in the pillowcase you sure all right on your mark, get set, go! And then they went through the course. 
like it was like their very first attempt and that's tv magic folks obstacle course was a mess but it was also a mess it was both kinds of messes they recorded their 13 weeks of shows and that was it for a while because 13 weeks is a long time that's the whole quarter of a year do the math 13 times 4 52 it's not that hard really uh (laughs) but the show would be launched by kids on nickelodeon and would actually increase the view count people were now flocking to nickelodeon as it was be going into more and more homes and more and more kids were like a juicy double there this is so cool and now we get to explain the format of the show about 20 minutes into the the entire episode so if you've never seen double there before and I, I, I hope you have, because the, the first 20 minutes would have been really confusing for you. The first thing you get is a toss-up, a physical challenge where both, contest, uh, both teams of two. It's a team, it's a team of two versus a team of two. Uh, it's whoever has the most money wins, mostly, just like every game show. Uh, the very first thing you see is an on-your-mark, get-set-go and the teams are doing a physical challenge. So they're throwing ping pong balls at each other. They're uh, throwing hula hoops and playing human ring toss. Uh, they're trying to throw uh, eggs into a giant chef hat that would crack into their head. And this would be a very quick beat the stunt child challenge. About less than 40 seconds necessary to really complete it. Uh, whoever wins this gets $20 and gets to go f- gets control of round one on Double Dare. It's, I know it feels weird to say this, but this is what makes Double Dare stand out over every game show out there. The, instead of just going straight to theme song like you would with The Price is Right, and you're, the only action you see on screen is a contestant running down the aisle, or on Wheel of Fortune, where you're just seeing all the prizes. Or Jeopardy, where you're just seeing the light-up Jeopardy logo, because this was the 80s. Double Dare just goes straight into the action. You're seeing some some people just doing some weird game where they're throwing balls at each other, or spraying each other with water, or throwing water balloons, or, or smacking pot, cream pies on a catapult and catching it in an oversized pair of pants. So you're already kind of like... It's like a shock. It's a really interesting shock. Because most game shows, you're not going in straight into the show. You're going into, let's meet the contestants, and this is the show. No, you got to the action. There's been a little bit of mess. They're now going to their podiums. They're cleaning themselves off of a towel. Then we start winding down, and here comes Mark Summers. And then Mark Summers gets to explain the rules. Uh, so the team on my left, they're known as the blah, blah, blahs. And it's always some weird team name because they're training you to go very disgusting or very weird. Or in some cases, you're the red team and you're the blue team. So you're the red renegades and you're the blue demons or, or whatever. Or the, uh, one of my favorites was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turnips. Double Dare first started, however... There was no red team, blue team. They were just both wearing red. <laughs> it was kind of confusing for Mark. Uh, also, the scoreboards were exactly identical. So they had to color code, make it a little different later on. But they had different team names. 
and they were made up of two people, usually a boy-girl. Sometimes best friends, sometimes sometimes families, like sisters and brothers. And we get introduced, and there's a little bit of small talk, but because it's a kid's game show, what kind of anecdote can you have? Well, well, it says here that you really love to play baseball. That's right. I, I'm good at baseball. That's great. And this is, and your sister here, she likes, uh, she apparently is a really good cook. You like to make cookies. What's your favorite cookie to make? I uh, like to make chocolate chip. Fantastic. Or it's, I heard this guy can do a really good impersonation. Let's do, let's see them do something silly. So now this is my first take. I'm going to try and see if I can memorize the original rule spiel for Double Dare without looking at any sort of que- like stage prompt. I'm I, my eyes closed here. I'm going to be asking the team a question. If you don't know the answer or think the other team doesn't have a clue, you can dare them to answer it for double the dollars. But be careful because they can always double dare you right back for four times the amount, in which case you either have to answer the question or take the physical challenge. Because this team won the toss-up, they'll get control of this $10 question. What presents on the $1 bill? George Washington, that's correct for $10. And now we start the questions round. Now in Double Dare, the questions start out a little easy. And I mean really easy. It, it becomes things like... a. Uh, name one of the anchors on the Today Show. Uh, if you, what is seventy-two divided by two? You, they just keep going with that. But then eventually they will get a question that is deemed a little bit challenging. That there will be some dares and and strategy in play. So you'll be hearing something like, "Ann Richards is the governor of what U.S. state?" Or you can dare him. Dare. All right, for $20, Ann Richards is the governor of what U.S. state? Or you can double dare him right back. D- double dare. All right, you can either answer or take the physical challenge. And now they're playing for $40. They'll say this answer or physical challenge. It was Texas. This is, come on, both of you, come on over here. Now, here's where the strategy comes into play. Because if you answer the question, you get $10. That's fantastic. But if you dare, the play goes to the, your opponents. If they answer the question and they're right, they get $20. If they get it wrong, they had their attempt, and they get it wrong, you get $20 and you still get control. However, if they got the question correct, not only do they get $20, they now get control and they start at the $10 level and they can dare or double dare or physical challenge. If there's a wrong answer, the play goes to the opponent. So a lot of times when there's the $10 question, they take a risk because they have a hunch and they don't get the money. And because there is no dare at stake, there's no money changing place, which is what Mark Summers would constantly say. No dare at stake, no money change of place. Play goes over to the other team. So you get this $10 question. If it's the other team, remember, if you get right, you get control. But remember, you dared, you got the 20. You want to answer it or go double dare? You double dare. That goes back to the original people of the $10 question. They now have $40 to play with. They can answer it. like and That's the easiest 40 bucks. It's now a trivia question for 40 
or they do a physical challenge, which would be worth $40. Of course, the audience is really hoping it's a physical challenge because that's when something exciting happens. So now we move on to the uh, physical challenges. So when we go into round one, a lot of the physical challenges are simple. And I mean simple in a nice way. It's like um, here is a, a, a cup of water on someone's head and you have seltzer water that's shaken up. I want you to spray the seltzer so it fills up past the line. If you can do that within 20 seconds, you will win $40. If you don't, uh, the $40 goes to the other team. On your mark, get set, go. Harvey's Wild Oats, where they had this stack uh, oatmeal cans with Harvey's face on it because they don't want to get sued by the Quaker company. And the idea is you have to balance it, uh, but the thing is you can't use stack five oatmeal, one on top of the other on your hand, and then pass it to their partner who then has to transfer it uh, with one hand over to the finish line. Balance ping pong balls onto flypaper. Very easy, replicable games, shall we say. Uh, and then if you win, you get the $40. If not, it goes to the other team. And then, oh, okay. Well, that's how means the end of round one with the scores being so-and-so. And we come back, we're doubling the dollars in round two. Round two, we have a second toss-up. It's worth $40. And when you hear this sound, that means the game is over. They get to do a second toss-up round. But this time, they get to be a little bit more calm about it because now hey this is a, this is a game where you gotta throw this into that and this and this fun all right anyway this is gonna be four dollars and control of round two very important on your mark get set go and then it goes for the challenge you got it so now we get to control round two the values are double so it's twenty dollars a question 40 for a dare and 80 for a double dare Whoever has the most money at the end of this round goes on to the obstacle course. And yet again, yet easy questions. Michael Myers is the serial killer in what horror movie franchise? Yeah, that was an actual question they asked on Double Dare for kids. And yet again, eventually there'll be a Dare, Double Dare, physical challenge. And when we get to round two, this is where it gets into the messy, messy, messy parts. So now there's going to be cream pie uh caravan to catch in the pants there's going to be slime slightly there's going to be uh orange juice there's one game where they have an ice cream scoop and there's a cone in the and there's like a little uh i was gonna say cone it's more like a cup on the head of one of the other kids and they're just sitting down and you have to make sure you dump one scoop of ice cream the whipped cream the and the cherry in 20 seconds to win the $80. If not, it goes to the other team. So now there's a bit more food. There's a bit more mess. And it's still played the same. On your mark, it's set, go. And there's your win-lose reaction as well. And then usually they can get through two physical challenges per round. So then you'll eventually hear a, er, er, oh, that's how means the game is over. And with $290, that team is going on to the obstacle course. And then, of course, the other team is feeling a little distraught because this is a kid's game show. Now, here's where it gets fun. Normally, on a kid's game show, the kids 
people feel like bad because they lost. They lost some double dare. But Mark somehow, in an act of genius, uh, makes everything feel okay, even for the teams that lose. So it becomes like, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't make it, but you have $180 to split. That's $90 a piece. And Harvey, what else will be they, they be taking home? And they get like actually cool prizes. So Reebok shoes, a language master, maybe a, uh, an Armatron watch. And uh, you can't do that on television. Green slime shampoo gets you clean, won't turn you green. And so we're back with the final act of the show, the big bonus round. That's right, we are dealing with the obstacle course. There's eight obstacles. Uh, and in the first part of the show, you basically get told by Mark what each obstacle is. Uh, obstacles range from search and find to a physical activity of some kind. Uh, so, for instance, Nightmare, the very first obstacle. It's a giant pillowcase full of feathers. There's a flag somewhere in the feathers. If you can find the bright orange flag and pass it to your opponent, uh, why do I keep saying opponent? You pass it to your partner, you'll win this prize. And then we go into the second obstacle, and this one is the one-ton human hamster wheel. You'll be standing in there, and you got to keep making full rotations. Once you make six full rotations, the lights will light up. And reaches six, the uh, little boxing glove will fall down. Your partner will catch it, and then you will win this. We go into round level three. This is the Sunday Slide, one of the more iconic obstacles on Double Dare. You got to go up this slide, not down it. And there's chocolate syrup. Don't touch that because if you do, you might slide off and you might have to restart. But if you make it to the top, grab the flag, spin around, land into his oversized mashed potatoes disguised as ice cream, pass it to your partner, and you'll win this. We're going into number five. This is Picket. There's a giant nostril. And oh no, they're sneezing all the slimy goop. Oh no. But somewhere in that nostril is a flag. You pick, you pass it to your partner, you win this. Number six is the monkey bars. You just got to climb across from one end to the other. If you fall down, you got to just reach back up. And then once you get to the end, pass it to your partner and you win this prize. Number seven is the blue plate special. And it looks like today it's delicious pancakes. Look through those pancakes. Look for that maple syrup. Find the flag. Pass it to your partner and you'll win this. And number eight, it's the ringer. There's a, a giant roller. You'll be sliding down into this colorful things. You'll go into this pool, and there's this flag right here. If your hands are on this flag before the 60 seconds is up, Harvey, what's the grand prize? It's a wonderful trip to Universal Studios, Florida. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's probably not. Well, it might be. All right, there's an overview cam featuring the entire obstacles in the layout. All right, audience, cheer them on. 60 seconds on the clock, on your mark, get set, go, and then they go through the obstacles. Uh, it's a, like the last 60 seconds is just pure chaos. People running into obstacles, passing their flag, go to the next obstacle, uh, falling down because the slime hit their face, so now they're taking tumbles. Uh 
go trying to climb up the Sunday slide and then face first in the chocolate syrup and they slide back down and they run back up. Sometimes they get all eight prizes in that trip to space camp. Other times, oh, I'm so sorry, you only got five, Harvey. Uh, tell them everything they've won. Well, Mark, they won the moon shoes, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the VCR uh, recorder. I know. Uh, the uh, color television and the sporting package. Overall, $845 each. And then they would see you next episode. Bye-bye. And that would be a regular-ass episode of Double Air. And then they would decide to bring the show back. Uh, so they that was a successful run, complete with live tour experiences and uh, um, uh, people wanting to audition because, hey, you know, it's stuff you learned in school being the trivia questions plus things that kids love in pop culture and there's these really funny physical challenges that are very messy and very cool. And obviously parents would be upset because you're wasting the food. You're wasting the food. So a lot of times they had to say, uh, when we fill the tank with baked beans, this is all expired cans of baked beans. So it smells really bad in here. Uh, I don't... I don't think you want to eat this stuff. Like, it's not good. It's safer going into for like three seconds, but not, not nothing else. So they were trying to go through the focus groups. And what people really loved about Double Dare was those obstacle courses because they were very cool. It's like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Here's the oversized popcorn box. Knock over the popcorn. Uh, grab the flag and win this. There's the icy trike. Go on a little tricycle and then crash through uh, the box that has like a little goop on it and then grab it. There is the uh, slime canal. Dunk into the little pool, grab the flag, pass it off. That The producers were kind of told, can you make Double Dare even more messy? So a few shows would later become more messy in the form of super sloppy Double Dare. Nothing changed rea in reality to Double Dare in the super sloppy format other than a lot of the stunts that would involve water. For instance, here's like 20 rubber ducks. Can you submerge them all in water in 20 seconds? Would now be, well, now we have chocolate sauce. Can you dunk all of the ducks in the chocolate sauce in 20 seconds? So they were trying to take the classic games of Double Dare and making them messy, and then they would innovate and make even messier versions of the familiar games for round two. So now it's build the bowl of cereal and then dump the milk on you, or sorry, the milk-like substance. I have to uh, correct that because that is something you'll often hear on Double Dare. It's not milk. It's a milk-like substance. Yeah. Hmm. Something that's white and milky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's just water and cornstarch. I hate to just spoil the surprise on that one. It's just water and cornstarch. Didn't really taste good. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> they made the messes a bit messier, and when it reached into super sloppy uh, levels of challenges, you know, dunk the chicken in chocolate, put feathers, and then throw it in the birdcage, that's when Double Dare really took off, and that's where the show really found its footing. Well, yes, it's easy to just have 
a water balloon toss. But now you can throw do all sorts of different tosses. Powdered sugar donuts. Sure, make that a game. Throw your partner into a little mat and then cover them in refried beans and cheese and lettuce and roll them up and then cover them in salsa. That That's also a challenge. And that became the double dare physical challenges of modern. I hate to say modern because there's a reboot, but that was what people now conceive as physical challenges. It's now taking something ordinary and making it life-size or making it silly and food-based or mess-based to make it very exciting to watch instead of just like a quick little challenge that might be something you would see and beat the clock or minute to win it. And Super Sloppy Double Dare, with its bigger messes, would somehow still appeal to people. And they then came up with the super special double dares, in which case celebrities would get involved in the action. And one of my favorite episodes of that was Super Sloppomania. Because as a fan of the 80s and old school wrestling, you would have Bobby the Brain Heenan on one team and Gorilla Monsoon on the other. So they were the stars of the WWF Wrestling Challenge shows. And they would be the announcers for WWF, which was at the peak of the time, Hulkamania. This also was one of the rare instances where they actually had to do some wrestling kayfabe. And a and they were trying to run the course, but uh-oh, uh... Gorilla took the kid and then Gorilla and then Bobby Heenan falls into the big chocolate syrup tank. Uh, and then they had to disqualify the run, but offer the kid all the prizes, all eight of them. The 87 special uh, was successful. And because of that appeal, in addition to doing these uh, new uh, physical challenges, Double Dare would end up in syndicated television as well, specifically to be paired with a lot of kids' blocks at the time. So you were seeing a lot of syndicated game shows when they were doing kids' game show, they made the kids' game show block, or the kids' game show, and then you pair it up with, like, Transformers, for instance. Double Dare really had a cult-like appeal in the 80s. Like, we're talking like this was one of those kids love the show so much, and now TV networks wanted their own action. And because Viacom at the time, which was MTV Networks, really needed the money, they'd agreed to take the show to syndication to sell off some episodes and new episodes and make some money. That was remote control. That was Double Dare. And so they tried their best to make Double Dare more uh, of a format that could be used in other networks. In fact, they tried to pitch a pilot of an adult Double Dare with Caitlyn Jenner. I know what she was originally called. I'm not going to dead name. I'm not a piece of shit. So the show is successful on Nickelodeon. That always becomes their Monday through Friday show, Go Watch Double Dare, and they play around that block like double dare is the focus so now let's work what's a new show after what's a other show we can put before it and double dare is the icon on nickelodeon fox wants in on the action so they wanted to have their adult double dare they wanted to have a version of double dare that would be interesting so their idea was family double dare we will have mother we will have father and two kids versus the mother, father, and two kids. 
and yeah that was the second half of double dares incarnation the later 80s early 90s was family double dare Originally, it served as specials on Fox with cash prizes and a brand new car if they got through all eight items. Later on, it would go to uh, Nickelodeon and serve as Family Double Dare. And while some episodes early on offered a fabulous new car, it would mostly be a family vacation. Now, when it goes into the Family Double Dare, it decides to leave its Philadelphia home. It's been there for almost six years at this point. It was a, a hollowed ground of Philadelphia and would now transfer over to its new studios, Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida, which is where if I'm going to have to break the storyline right now, which is where I assume is where most 90s kids come from when they think Double Dare is they think Nickelodeon Studios Orlando, Florida, because all Nick game shows Nickelodeon Studios Orlando, Florida, and it was the 90, 90s kids double dare. It goes from Nickelodeon 86 and 87 to syndication 88, 89. In 90 through 1993, it goes back to Nickelodeon. Along the way, changes get made. Harvey gets replaced by Doc Holliday. Obstacles like the gumdrop show up, where it's this giant gumball machine with different playground balls, and you have to jump in there, and then as you sink down below to grab the flag, you pass it off. That was my favorite obstacle. I, I wanted to do that gumdrop so badly. As we go from the super sloppy double dare to a family double dare to a, a return to family double dare in 1990 to 93, the show gets its final design you will see squishy messes a red team blue team the values change 25 dollars to 50 to 100 dollars and then 50 100 200 dollars and when you hear the sound that means the game is over of course because it's the early 90s now the the prizes are a little bit more flashier and they're going for more stuff with their kids and Family Double Dare was the second, I would say, was the second revival of Double Dare, even though it was always on the air at this time in one form or another. This show would grow and grow and become this hit. Everyone knows Family Double Dare. I think people know more about Family Double Dare now. They think it's a family game show than the original 2v2 version of Double Dare. So because it's Family Double Dare, the, uh, the physical challenges in the first half are now two-person games, typically stuff that's already been used in the super sloppy double dare. But now when you get to round two, the physical challenges involve all four members of the family. So it becomes stack the cake, uh, build the pie, do this, uh, make sure everybody hints this, throw this. And there's now big elaborate set pieces, such as uh, in the toss-up game, honey, I'm home, ha, ha, ha where people have to throw newspapers and toast into a briefcase and then enter a door and then get covered in slime and kind of an I Love Lucy situation. I'm being told right now, New York was the setting of 1987 Double Dare. So they did take a little detour from Philly to New York. Interesting. I did not know that. Anyway, so with the Family Double Dare, they actually updated a lot of their obstacles. So breakfast in bed, you got to throw the, drop the eggs, drop the, the waffles, 
and then drop the 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 syrup and and butter and then call it a day and it would end up being a successful thing you had lots of different obstacles like the garbage truck where there's a bunch of garbage and there's a flag in there and then they dump more garbage on you you had shark because they were at universal studios they had a fake jaws and you had to dig you got to climb up a little diving board look into a giant foam shark's mouth to find the, the stuff and then pass it you had Hunt and Peck, where they had to find the key, a key with a key to pass it to win it. The the Slime Geyser, which become a modified version of the actual Slime Geyser out front of Nickelodeon Studios. Grease Monkey, where you have to find the flag in a tube that looks like a model car. In one ear and out the other, where they had to dig through, like they had to go through one canal, but the canal's covered in earwax, which was really kind of more like peanut butter. You had it's in the mail where they had open the mailbox, dump in and slide. You had the big mouth where they open up the mouth, go down the esophagus, grab the flag, win it. Lake Double Dare was new where they had this giant vessel, a giant pool where they would have to swim in the lake and then grab a flag and pass it. And I thought that was a little obsessive. But these obstacles were very large, very extravagant. And now instead of going back and forth with partners and confusing people, it was kind of a adult kid, adult kid, adult kid, adult kid. So each kid only goes through two of the eight obstacles, which makes it easier for them to be at the right place on the course. Because now they go from obstacle one to obstacle five, two to six, three to seven, four to eight. My favorite of these obstacles, besides Gumdrop, was the Soda Jerk. There was three, it looked like a giant soda fountain, and they would smash on these little stomp pads. And once they stomped, the soda would spill out on them, and then one of the three would hold a flag, and it drops around on them, they grab the flag, pass it off, and they win the prize. And while the show was proving to be successful, Nickelodeon was kind of in the middle of a re-image, as it were. Why, yes, they did have Nickelodeon Studios, and yes, there were game shows like Double Dare there, but we need more game shows, so let's try our hands at Guts. Let's try our hands at Figure It Out. Let's try our hands at Legends of the Hidden Temple, and along the way, let's go back to our live action. So here comes your Gola Gola Islands for Nick Jr. Here comes your uh, Clarissa Explains It All as well the roundhouse show and later all that would end up at nickelodeon studios and because this was at the early 90s nickelodeon was no longer just interested in just getting like looney Tunes shows and calling it ted turner kind of bought the rights they wanted their own cartoons so out with the looney tunes in with nick tunes so rugrats red and stimpy doug would end up in Nickelodeon, and those would end up grabbing a whole new set of audiences. So Nick's focus on Double Dare, a sign of the 80s, would kind of fizzle into the backdrop and putting it onto Saturday mornings, whereas their Nicktoons of Ren and Stimpy and Doug and Rugrats would be cycling on and on along with Hey Dude and maybe Alex Mack and Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. And... Double Dare would kind of need that one last push to try and prove that we are the best. Like we're the we're the best game show. We're the kids game show. We are still the kids game show. So their gimmick was a tournament. 
Brains versus Bronze. Whoever made the most money in the front game uh, taking on the family who made the fastest obstacle course time uh, in one final winner-take-all tournament to win a trophy and then get to go to the obstacle course to play for a station wagon, which used to be just normal every day on Family Double there in the early run. So just to remind people, they cut the budget and the audience turned away. Tournaments don't do well on Double there. Why? Because a tournament means you have a season, and you don't really rewatch a season after you find out who wins. Unlike a normal episode Double there where it's bookended and you might know the outcome now, but in three months' time, well, you might rewatch it and be con- like shocked by the outcome as if it was a new episode because they churned out so many episodes. So tournaments don't work on Double there, and they didn't learn that when they rebooted the show. The show would suffer as its last episodes were the tournament, and it would end in 1993. It's okay, Nick Arcade was on the air, and I was really cool. They had Mikey, the video game adventurer. Man, that was a fun show. Anyway, so Nickelodeon has their new game shows. Your Gutses, your Legends, your Nick Arcades. And yes, Double Dare is still brought up because there's still nostalgia for the show. And for Mark, he kind of saw it as a mix of good and bad because on one hand, this was his show like he was there for almost a whole decade this was his life but at the same time his nightmare of getting messed up and getting covered in slime and gack and then having to run out to the uh the green room and then just take off all the clothes and take a shower for another 40 minutes because he feels unclean is over he he feels like it's a mix of good and bad and he never really knew that was the case until later in his lifetime. So past the 90s, he would have a talk show in daytime, Biggers and Summers. He would end up uh, hosting different game shows, such as Trivia IQ on the History Channel. Uh, he would host on Food Network Unwrapped that gets you the inside scoop behind some of your all-time favorite foods. But mostly, Mark wanted to not be typecasted as the Double Dare guy. And I don't blame him for that. I mean, yes, Double Dare was his career, but he's a very talented producer and a very talented uh, host, an on-camera personality. So Nickelodeon is moving on without them. And we're talking now, we're in the Nickelodeon 90s. Now, should I go through all of Nickelodeon the 90s? All that, Kenan and Kel. Hey, remember Pelswick? Hey, debut of SpongeBob. Hey, Rugrats. Hey, the Rugrats movie. Hey, figure it out. Hey, remember Cousin Skeeter? Hey, remember Snow Day? Hey, remember Harriet the Spy? 90s Nickelodeon. Are you afraid of the dark? Ooh. Nickelodeon Magazine, please. Yeah, I was a Nickelodeon kid. What? I mean, I'm pretty sure that kind of was the, the figure. I mean, most people were like Disney families and like one Saturday morning. Others went to Cartoon Network. I was Nickelodeon. I was always a Nickelodeon guy. Yes, he did What Would You Do on Nickelodeon because that was a filler show. After Family Double there, they did What Would You Do, which was kind of like a variety show that I think Summers really wanted. He also hosted a game show called Pick Your Brain. Remember Pick Your Brain? Mark in the 90s, 
after Double Dare and What Would You Do, he had his talk show, and he talked to Oprah, and he had all these different uh, things going through his brain. Robin and Dave would go on to make Wild and Crazy Kids, a somewhat modern version of Double Dare because it's played with very little stakes, but played at the park and is really insane little challenges that are somewhat messy, that sometimes has kids, sometimes has adults, but can be played with multiple people, as many as they like. Near the end of the 90s was when he admitted in an interview with Dr. Eric Hollander on Biggers and Summers uh, that he had obsessive compulsive disorder. He wanted to hide it as much as possible because, as most people would, if you admit you have OCD, maybe you're not going to get hired. Maybe you're not going to get booked. Your your people are going to think different of you. So Mark hid that his entire like career from double there onwards until that moment struck where it's like, well, if I don't admit now, what's going to be the case? And he basically go, talks about anxiety disorders and he he talks about overcoming parts of that with meaning like fans of the show and contestants and the thing was that he was originally going to be slated for hollywood squares but because of his admission to ocd uh he did not get the job and that person later became tom bergeron so yeah, if if you noticed with the solo sessions, I have to point this out right up to now. Every game show that I have brought up beforehand from Hollywood Squares to Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grade, every one of these Nickelodeon game shows to Hollywood Squares to Minute to Win It to Wipeout, etc., all was bobbing and weaving a little narrative. My my story is that Every game show has a story, a background that not a lot of people understand. They only see the bells and whistles. They only see the contestants, the celebrities. But behind all those closed doors, there are actual human beings, both in the background and production, to being that host. And you never really hear about it, except in biographies. Mark always was a great uh, host. He did Biggers and Summers on Lifetime after doing Our Home on Lifetime. And he works in nonprofits to address anxiety disorders. And honestly, when you when I first found out about that OCD uh, being the thing that costed him the job to get to Tom Bergeron, well, I thought Tom Bergeron's a fun host, and this was his great upstart to kick his career off. It it's at the same time the story is, but it was at the expense of Mark Summers. And if OCD was enough to rule out Mark Summers, think about all the other things in the world that could knock out somebody to be in the running for a game show host, from maybe their gender identity, to their sexual identity, to their race, to their religious values. Most of the time when I hear about Mark Summers' OCD double there, they either treat it like a joke, like, it's so funny because he has a meltdown, and on Double Dare, he's all messy, and he's a clean freak. <laughs> but in reality, like, no, this is traumatizing for anybody. Mark was the face of CDI game shows. 
He was the face of a lot of games. People still knew him as Double Dare Man, but he wanted to be silly. He was on a famous episode of The Tonight Show with Burt Reynolds and did a magic trick where he cuts the tie. Burt Reynolds kept mocking him. And unlike Mark Summers playing the children's television host, he played himself and it really did make for some raunchy television, which is what I think is one of the first moments in my life where I was able to actually deconstruct television in a way where it's like, oh, wait, Mark Summers is an actual human being. Yes, you hear all the sad stories about OCD, and, and yes, Mark Summers eventually did have a special on Halloween that was full of magic, but... The one moment that made me actually humanize Mark Summers was when he was on The Tonight Show with Burt Reynolds and did a magic trick and just kept being insulted and then insulted Burt Reynolds back. That, to me, was when I finally went, this guy's for real. This guy's a real human being with human emotions. Yeah, I know it's really messed up. Mark would use uh, what he's learned through dealing with OCD to write not just a book, everything in its place, but also a stage play called On Your Mark. One more piece of fun fact as we talk about the original Double Dare before we get into the modern reboot. Greg Lee, the host of Where in the World's Carmen Sandiego, was the audience warm-up at Double Dare. And because of that warm-up skills he had in Philadelphia, that's what helped him get the the little nudge to get the job over on Carmen Sandiego on PBS because his ability to talk to kids and still be funny. So as Mark Summers uh, is about to start the second stage in his career, Double Dare gets revived by Nickelodeon, and Mark Summers was not wanting to host the show. For him, he thought, no, it's time to pass the torch. It's time to move on. I don't want to be typecast as a Double Dare guy still. But if you need consulting work, I will gladly do it. So Mark was hired on to basically be a consultant for Double Dare 2000. He was also there to try and pick out who should be the host of Double Dare. That went on to an actor by the name of Jason Harris. The idea for casting Double Dare for Double Dare 2000 was don't get Mark Summers or a guy emulating Mark Summers. So they didn't want a funny guy who was trying to do impersonations. They wanted to just have uh, essentially a, a new kind of face for the show. And Jason Harris uh, was a really relatively okay host at Double Dare. Instead of Harvey, they would have Tiffany be the new announcer. And instead of having it be a little stage, they made it out to look like a DJ booth. So Tiffany was on a little stage, a little booth with Double Dare logo. And they tried to, I, I hate to say this, they tried to make her like a J from figure it out like this is the dj booth and they're going to keep saying silly things and really weird things happen in the booth maybe that was just a kid's game show aspect of the late 90s jason harris uh is a very talented voiceover work and does a lot of adr work nowadays so if, if for me, I say most game shows should hire Jason Harris to fix their ADR because it's bad. And Jason should be like the guy that they hire to fix it so it doesn't sound ridiculous. So the new Double Dare 2000 would be the exact same as Family Double Dare. 
It's just they've modernized the set a bit and tried to change a little bit of things. So they kept the blue and they kept the yellow. They kept a bit of the tile, but now there's a lot of checkerboard. Instead of a, a little of vain timer, it is now four giant screen televisions that display this weird time bomb of slime. And the theme song is surf rock version still performed by ed kaloff but now it's just other than that they played exactly like the rules of family double dare toss up 25 dollars 50 dollars on a dare 100 on double dare do physical challenge two people come up on onto the stage and do a little challenge for control we do toss up two for double the dollars so it's 50, 100, 200. The toss-ups are worth $50 in round two. But now there's one new challenge in play. If they do a physical challenge, they cannot just do a physical challenge. They can do the triple dare challenge. Wee-oo, 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 wee-oo. When they did the physical, when they announced the triple dare challenge at the start of the, the show, uh, silly things happen, such as a marching band blaze out, confetti shows up, uh, cheerleaders uh, cheer on, something that you don't normally see on a regular old game show. Why? Because it's so silly and wacky and big and over the top. So the triple dare challenge works like this: on the round two physical challenge, and they only have time for one only one and that's frustrating to me uh if you want to you can make it a triple dare challenge it will now be worth triple the value but instead of it being 200 it's 300 and you get a really cool prize tiffany what's that really cool prize it's a Nintendo 64. It's $500 in Toys R Us Jeffrey dollars. It's a color television. It's one of those three. It's usually like a little cool trinket that you'd no normally see as a round, like as a fourth uh, obstacle prize. Jason will then ask, talk it out, audience. What would you do? Do you want to do it? You want to go for? Do you want to go for the triple dare challenge? And most of the time, I don't want the triple dare challenge. Oh, oh well. All right, well, then you're going for a normal physical challenge. Otherwise, if they're really daring, see what I did there? I want the triple dare challenge. He wants the triple dare challenge. What's inside the box? So they open up the mailbox because the triple dare challenge is just a weird box with something inside the box that would make the game a little challenging. So now it's like, well, instead of catching four, you have to catch five. Or now you have to do it blindfolded. Or instead of 30 seconds, this is now 20 seconds. Some of those games are really over the top. There was a game where there was like balls that were on the floor and they would pop up. And you would have to try and catch the ball before it falls off, but you don't know when. There was the GAC pot where they would uh, pull a lever and you would stand under it and if luck was on your side, you would get slimed and if all four got slimed, you would win. Uh, they had a game where they had to make breakfast, but the earthquake was happening, so you had a simulated earthquake, so everything would be a lot messier. Ha ha ha.
While I appreciate that the challenges were being a little over the top and really cool, such as, hey, everyone's on a rotating rocket and they have to throw rings to to get two rings, it became a little bit more over-elaborate for a Double Dare game show. I think there's a nice medium of what you can do on a physical challenge in Double Dare. You don't have to just simply put, like, ball in the cup as the game, but you don't have to do, like, a whole on set to do the physical challenge. You can make something that's kind of like, here is a toilet, and there is some blue stuff above them, and there's a glass panel with uh, with a little target. you got to throw bows and arrows, both these plungers, and if one plunger sticks at the target, the goop falls down. If you can knock one of them in in 30 seconds, you win. Like that That's all you have to do as a physical challenge. You don't have to go full-on build out a kitchen set. But like most reboots of game shows, they always go way over the top so you never remember about the original one. They would do a lot of celebrity specials like the cast of Amanda Show and WCW superstars would show up. Point this out, the WCW stars was right in the peak of the Russo era. So a lot of like, well, not PG anymore, what? While it lasted two seasons and 67 episodes, it only aired throughout 2000. Probably for good, because what would you do if it was 2001? Call it Double Dare 2001? I think the 2000 was kind of not a good thing to call your show, if we have to be honest. You should have just called it just Double Dare. You may have been saving yourself some effort here. And in the second season, a few of the episodes were shot in HD, one of the first game shows to ever be filmed in widescreen 16 by 9 in American game shows. Uh, to try and, and sell uh, Sony uh, televisions. In fact, that was one of the grand prizes on the show was a Sony HD television. You got to think, at the time, that was like $8,000, not like 40 bucks you can get at Best Buy. The show ends in 2000, and Mark Summers will continue doing different things. Jason would go into ADR work. Mark would still try and do production work and hosting gigs. In fact, in 2002, he ended up uh, doing Intuition. And later in that same year, he did the rebooted version of Wild and Crazy Kids with Maddie Moralejo. What's happening, guys? But because of his success on uh, Unwrapped on the Food Network, that is where he kind of branded himself. He became more of a producer in food in food documentaries. So, yes, one of his last game shows he got to host was Trivia Unwrapped, where he took the show Unwrapped and made it a game show quiz show about food using clips from old episodes, and that was a nice, unique way of, of presenting the same footage over and over again. I never knew that's how they made Laffy Taffy. He would have not just one, but two hits, thanks to his work with one special person, a guy by the name of Robert Irvine. Robert Irvine is a celebrity chef uh, whose claim to fame was being uh, uh, in the restaurant on Her Majesty's Royal Yacht Britannia and after 10 years did some consultant work in all countries around the world and was an executive chef in cruise ships and on Trump's Taj Mahal. Remember the Taj Mahal that Merv Griffin owned and then Donald Trump bought it and then turned it to shit? He was the chef. Yeah. Anyway, Robert Irvine, uh, Gail Kim's husband, uh, 
basically helped Mark Summers out. Mark Summers helped create two great shows with him. The first was Dinner Impossible, where because here's this regal British man, we're going to give you some weird challenges. Like you have to cater uh, 300 military veterans on this boat in under three hours using these ingredients. Or you have to go here and make a five-course meal using only the ingredients found in this little fork. Like, it was always, like, really challenging missions for Robert Irvine to accomplish. And that was the appeal, is, like, it was not really a food show. It was kind of a one of the first docu-reality kind of presentations in the eyes of a chef. And then Robert Irvine made that a, a hit uh, show. And around season five, Michael Simon had to step in because there was allegations that, hey, you aren't who you say you are. You said you used to cook for the queen. You didn't cook for the queen. And he had to, he was ashamed. He was uh, canceled for his lie. And then he was brought back one season later because of course you would. Like, it, who cares? Uh, but because of the success of Dinner Impossible, he got a new show called Restaurant Impossible, and that show beat out Kitchen Nightmares. Restaurant Impossible, people assume, is like uh, Kitchen Nightmares. Robert Irvine goes to a, a struggling restaurant and has two days and a budget of $10,000 to try and restore it. Luckily... They have interior designers, and they try to fix the restaurant and the menu. And I'm going to be honest here. Restaurant Impossible is better than Kitchen Nightmares. I, I got I say it. Mark, uh, Mark Summers is the executive producer of this show. Kitchen Nightmares is Gordon Ramsay being flip, his flippant character. is Oh, my God, look how disgusting. Oh, this is gross. And then at the end of the episode, wow, this is very fucking delicious. Yeah, fucking good. Yum, yum, yum. Delicious. Fucking good. Fuck fucking delicious fucking good well robert irvine on restaurant impossible yes he will confront people and be like this is the one of the worst things i've ever made do you have any culinary background he's not being the asshole character like a gordon ramsay he's kind of more playing the role of like i'm actually here to help you out because this is your mom's restaurant and you are the kids and clearly uh, you need some help with this. So we're going to fix this up so we know you're dedicating this to your mom. But at the same time, I think what we need to do is reinvent some of these mom's recipes to make it easier for the chef and make it easier for you. And it, it becomes more of a story about almost like a, a renovation show. It's more of a renovation show than a human drama of oh my god everything's rolling i don't want to lose all my money and the stuff and that's a show that would end up being food network one of the biggest shows on food network is that the drama on that show uh that show would go on the air for i think it's still on the air for this now but it had over 180 episodes so far but it wasn't all that fair for mark uh, so, uh, in addition to the obsessive compulsive disorder, in 2012, Mark Summers suffered some head injuries in an accident in a taxi cab, uh, equipped with a partition, you know, one of those glass, uh, things. And everything on the left side of his face, uh, got wiped out. Everything was swollen. 
Uh, in an interview, he claims, there's lots of VCR parts in my face. I was pretty lucky that I didn't have brain damage. And luckily, he has made a great recovery uh, and has been on camera prizing his role as the host of Family Double Dare in Good Charlotte's music video last night. Dill did numerous voice work in things like Robot Chicken, Cleveland Show, uh, Loud House, everything that kind of plays into the character. And he also did some stage work with The Price is Right Live as well. But that's not it as well. Um, in 2009, he talked about having stomach problems and exploratory surgery revealed that he had chronic lymphatic leukemia. The doc, the first doctor recommended chemotherapy, but fearing pain and illness involved, he saw a second doctor in Chicago and misdiagnosed him with mantle cell lymphoma and told me he only had six months to live. Because of that panic, Summers went back to the original doctor and ultimately the original diagnosis of chronic lymphic leukemia was confirmed. And he would go on to chemotherapy for two years, uh, which of course is brutal for anybody. Summers had PET scans and since the chemo finish as of 2016 was in remission. Mark, at the end of 2019, at the end of the last stage show, for the rebooted Double Dare, uh, went on to announce that he has cancer. He didn't specify what type of cancer, but he was taking medication and that it's all going to be fine. So it's been rough for Mark Summers. Now, to turn this into a positive, as we're going to transfer, I'm going to try and spin this into a being a positive uh ending mark summers's double there in the 80s would be influential to all of the nickelodeon kids who grew up watching it they were eight nine ten years old at the time and they're watching it in the 80s and now we are in the 20 we are in 2018 2019 and nickelodeon decides to reboot the show Double Dare will be back on the air after 20 years. And the kids who grew up watching the Double Dare of yesteryear, whether it's Family Double Dare, Super Sloppy Double Dare, or the original Double Dare, would go on to being the faces of the crew backstage at this all-new Double Dare. They took what they love about Double Dare and they made it for a new age. They were trying to pass the torch to the kids so now we have a brand new double there nickelodeon however did not want to really fully engage that they offered the services of Fremontle media which if you haven't figured out yet is a pretty big deal in the world of game shows from the prices right to family feud they have the eye for game shows so for them working on double there it should be like a dream come true and it to many it was Mark Summers would actually return to the show, but not as the host, but as the announcer and the quote-unquote mayor of Double Dare. Essentially, this means that Mark was allegated to be in the Harvey role of the show. But when the original one was Harvey and, and Mark, 
their dynamic was kind of just adults hanging with kids and they're just kind of being adults joking around while Harvey's trying to do little kitty things. Mark's trying to do all these jokes that will fly over the kids' heads that the parents who might be watching the show will enjoy. So now the roles are kind of reversed. Instead of Mark being the host, he's the Harvey. But he's still doing the dad jokes. He's still trying to do all of these whimsical jokes that are pretty much like what would be the... I would hate to say like a father-daughter thing with with Liza Koshy. But it's kind of like, here's your crazy uncle. He's stopping by at the house for the weekend. Let's play a fun game show. Well, Liza Koshy uh, serves as the new host. Jason Harris was an actor and got one of the biggest gigs you can think of in Nickelodeon. Liza Koshy is no, it's not a no-name actress. She is a child of the social media age. Yeah, she's a YouTuber, but not just that. She's a very popular Vine star. Remember Vine? And also Twitter and Instagram. People know who she is, and she has lots of different sketch ideas and different jokes. She wants to tell jokes. She wants to be a funny actress. And for Liza, she's going into this as a very young host, but is offering a unique perspective on the hosting gig that differs from any other version. Because on Double Day originally, it's Mark. And Mark is almost like a regular game show host. Jason played like the older brother role. Like, hey, come on. You can have some fun here. It's Double Day. And Liza is instead almost like a... <laughs> I, I, the best way to describe Liza's hosting is basically like... She, she's the cunning game show host that knows what you're up to and is thinking exactly what you're scheming with. So a lot of the times it's dare or, or physical challenge. And it's like, we'll dare. They're daring. Hey. So here's the question again. Already went double dare and back. Double dare. Brown. Okay, going for four times the amount. The kids go, we'll take the physical challenge. Yeah, you are. Do, 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 do. So with the new double dare, they kind of... They added a bigger budget to the set, shall we say. Instead of just a, a screen, like on Double Dare 2000, they have a whole video wall. They went back to a throwback visual wall in the background that looks like the old school um, uh, plates. There are those little bathroom tile sets. But they also have the old school scoreboard as well. But that old school scoreboard is also an LED screen. And above all that, where the Double Dare set would be, is a new trim where they would display the team names in the process. They would keep the old school podiums, but now the set is more darker, not as bright and colorful as either of the other two sets because it's no longer at Universal Studios Orlando, Florida. As Universal's partnership with Orlando differed and they had to part their ways... The time capsule go on to a Nick Hotel, where that Nick Hotel would have their own version of Double Dare for residents. Do you remember iCarly? Here's a clip. What happens next? Or for for thirty points? Yeah. And eventually, that hotel would collapse as well. Not physically collapse. <laughs> That'd be weird. I mean, like they would just become a regular ass holiday in so the they would move the time capsule again now to los angeles and the studios are now all out here 
So Nickelodeon decided to film over at CBS Radford, the same studio lot that gives us Big Brother. And a lot of other game shows, but I'm not going to list all of them because I don't want to waste any more time here. So in this new reboot, Double Dare, Liza Koshy will ask a question. You think you know the same thing as the original rules of the original Double Dare. It's still played with pairs, not families, except for two rare episodes where they did that. And when it did, it was a father-son or it was a mother-daughter. They even went so far in the first season to have, and this is fun, they had people from the original Double Dare with their kids today playing the same game they used to play 30 years ago. And I was like, that is a really great idea. And that episode was really touching because uh, there was this really sincere moment at the end when they did the obstacle course. And then we're about to start the slide. And it was like, do you have any last words before we start the show? And then it's like the kid on the top of the slides going, I love you, dad. And then the dad's like, I love you, son. And there was like, aw. And here's Liza going, yeah, we're going to have some fun. On your mark, it's sick. <laughs> and it was just fun. Liza's bringing energy. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know why you talk about siren contestants, woo, 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 screamer kind of things? Liza's just naturally energetic. So as a host, she's like a cheerleader, but she's also very fun and quirky and fun she was a perfect game show host for this like there's like i'm trying to think of other game shows that she could work with and i mean i saw floored it 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 wasn't as funny as her on double there shall we say the only difference is now the values have doubled and they went by the original originally they did the uh rules of the family double dare but they doubled the values so it's 50 100 200 in round one and in round two 100 200 400 but there's a catch this is money in round one and they even went as far as to have and this is great same-sex couples and families so they finally got inclusion in double dare so they were doing a lot of firsts from People who were contestants on Double Dare back then to same-sex families on this new reboot Double Dare to be inclusive to show what impact the show had. Uh, in season one's Double Dare was great because the physical challenges were exactly what you would expect. Round one's a little light. Round two, it's a little over the top. They had games such as the Catapult where they would... Uh, stomp and then a little cat and they had to fling a cat into a giant ball of yarn and i thought that was fun uh they took back some classic games and they modernized it like spring water to burn out the flames throwing toilet paper rolls into toilet seats that was the there was a lot of intelligent uh physical challenges on the show the questions from the show felt like they haven't changed other than they were modernized so it was clear the physical challenge department grew up watching the physical challenges and this is some bizarre ideas that they were coming up with because of what they remember from double dare so go in the giant teacup wheel over water ice and lemonade mix and then there's a big cloud of powder all over the studio that was so fun to see. Like, whoa, that's because you have that big explosion of mess. Questions are still modern. It's kind of like, who was vice president under Barack Obama? 
If you're talking about Yeezy, you're talking about what rapper? On what reality show do people enter tribal council? Like, those are the questions that you would see on the rebooted version of Double Dare. They're no different than the questions in the 80s. They just modernized the pop culture to be what kids would know as of the 2010s. And of course, they would still do the stack where the most difficult question would force the physical challenge. Uh, so it's like, which of the Jonas Brothers is the oldest? Like, that would be a question. But now, instead of just daring and just cutting, now there's a graphic in the background. So when you hear dare, you hear a bow. All right, for $100, double dare. Bow! And now it says double dare. All right, physical challenge. Yeah, you are. Do, 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 do. And when they say that, then it cuts to Mark Summers going, the correct answer was blank, and this is a $200 physical challenge, Liza. And they would explain the challenge, and you have like 20 seconds. On your mark, get set, go, and they would go through the physical challenge. Normally, you would only get one physical challenge per round, but sometimes they were able to do two because the time is squeezing up. But whoever had the most money at the end of round two Gets to keep it. That was the rule change on the all-new Double Dare. Only the team with the most money gets to keep it. So the runner's up. You don't get. You keep your $800. So screw you, I guess. But the other team, you get to go to the obstacle course. Hooray. And when it got to the obstacle course, it's no longer Nickelodeon Studios. So they didn't have big enough space. So they had to try and make the classic challenges be smaller. But they wanted to make sure there was some nostalgia. So Pickett was still there. Uh, you got to see the tank. But the tank was smaller. But it was filled with cherry jello. You got to see the Sunday slide. But the Sunday slide is now just the slide. And then they got to slide into the chocolate sauce. Because we're talking now modern day 2018-2019. You had games like Unboxing. Where there's a box in a box in a box in a box in a box. And then there's a flag. Or pop and lock, where you have to open up a locker and then there's stuff in the locker. Or the blowout, where it's a giant party horn and you gotta crawl under and then grab the flag at the end. Or the hot dog, where they had to go through hot dog buns, but because they couldn't fit the soda jerk, it was ketchup, mustard, or relish, and you had to twist the little nozzle so the goop falls on you. The ringer got bigger because there's two rings instead of one. But the eighth obstacle was always the same obstacle. It was the scary Mount St. Double there. Psh, psh. Pretend there was air effects going. So in Mount St. Double there in the first season, it was essentially just like a giant 45 degree like, hill with a little rope. And the flag was at the top. In, in season two, Mount St. Double there. Psh, psh was actually looking more like an actual mountain and there was like a little plastic and there was enough of a revolt like a little filtration device that it would actually spill out slime to act like an oozing lava as they would go up the original mount saint double there in the 80s edition uh did not have any of this it really was just like a go up a fake foam volcano that was relatively like four feet tall and dip your head into a bucket and in the bucket of gak was the 
slime was the flag. Gak was the initial name of the goopy stuff that they would have on Double Dare. And yes, it's slang for drugs. Kids shows. In Double Dare 2000, they tried to steer away from Gak, even though they kept saying it from time to time, in favor of something new called Goose. Goo and ooze. Goose would end up being a toy that they would later sell. But in this all-new version of Double Dare... It was mostly um, not that... I'll be honest, it wasn't really as exciting as those versions in the first season. The reason being, I think, because they out of safety reasons and because Nickelodeon really loves slime and they were in an image crisis, a lot of the mess on Double Dare was not the same as the mess in the original 80s in Double Dare 2000 where it is like ice cream, which is just mashed potatoes, uh, covered in fake soda, covered in fake motor oil, uh, covered in bubble bath because he went through the kid wash. The Ringer, which used to have like a rainbow of paint, so it looked like you were covered in paint like a human painting, was now just covered in slime. Uh, if you were to go down the, uh, the big mouth... Instead of what looked like chunky, like clam chowder, it was slime. But now they spray slime at you, which was still slime. But sometimes they would change it up and it'd be whipped cream. It was mostly whipped cream and slime. And I think this was out of the budget that they couldn't make new messes. Because when I think Double Dare, I was thinking every kind of mess in the book. Like, there are people falling into mashed potatoes, and then people falling into whipped cream, people getting covered in maple syrup. That there was, like, different kinds of messes in every one of these little obstacles. And in season one, it looked like they spent their money on the set with this elaborate light-up wall and, and spotlights. But then when it got to the obstacle course, it kind of was just off on the side and didn't really feel like no one really wanted to be at this part and all of the messes were the same you're covered in slime you're covered in slime now you're covered in slime now you have to look in the slime now you have to look in the it's all the same green slime nothing new so once you've already been covered in slime on obstacle three nothing really to go off of from there it was also so tiny they couldn't build Gumdrop. So maybe I'm a little annoyed. Maybe just a little. But luckily, the the games, uh, the little prizes, are modern day. Now, they didn't give a Nintendo Switch, which I was kind of surprised by, or any sort of video game console. They kind of gave out, like, Dave & Buster's uh, Sky Zone trampoline uh passes uh they they gave away some wooden board games uh a smart television at one point i saw a 3d printer which was really cool and the grand prize a trip to space camp and while those eight prizes were really cool i was like yeah this is double there they're giving away cool prizes I hope more people agree to do prizes on double there for the next season so we can see a lot more cool things because I understand Toys R Us is kind of in a world of hurt at the moment, which they were. Uh, but you can try GameStop. You can try, like, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Something fun. Something recreational. People will like it. 
and they were giving away gift cards like REI and Dick Sporting Goods and six month subscriptions to STEM workshops like in a box. I forgot what the name of that was, but it was like STEM workshops in a box. Okay. Yay. But uh no, and it, when they get to that final round, that six pri that eight prizes in sixty seconds, and they finally said, like, well Mount St. Double Dare, psh, psh, that's the big final one, and we realize everyone's already gonna be messy, so it acts kinda like the Sunday slide. They're gonna get messy on their way up. So they might slip up and fall back down. So that kind of acts as the uh as a way to to uh save budget, as it were. Cause I when I was looking at it, I was thinking like Oh, they're they're cutting budget in certain areas here, and that's why I'm not seeing messes, and that's why the other team isn't making the money. They kind of half-assed a lot of this, and I wish they went full-ass because I can see the heart in this. A lot of the people who are working on the show probably love working on this show. This is like a childhood dream of theirs to work on this game show, and they... So, obviously, they get picked up for a season two, but there's a catch. Uh, they decided, well, you know, what if our 20-episode pickup is Tournament Edition? What? Yeah, we'll have a SpongeBob tournament, a Kids' Choice Award tournament, a Halloween tournament, and a Christmas. And I, I think the last one was, like, summer or something. Yeah, so it's like... We have a team of four versus a team of four, and whoever team wins in the Monday show, well, they'll be split up into two teams of two in the Tuesday show. And on the Tuesday show, whoever wins that uh, goes on to the third game where it's... And they're trying to make it so it's like, then you get to play with the celebrities. And the winning celebrities go on so the team of four is broken up into two v2s with different celebrities yeah also they decided to change the rule in play for the entirety of double there up to this point in season two it's the show that dares you to answer for double the dollars but now because of season two of the rebooted Double Dare, it's the show where daring can get you double the points. Because now it's all for points. Why? What? Where's the money? Well, most likely they realized a big problem was a lot of kids, not just me, were upset that the other team doesn't get the money, like in the original rules. So they decided, well, we're actually going to do points. And now if you want to win money, you go to the obstacle course. So now the there's no more trips to space camp. There's no more watches. There's no more recreational equipment. No, you wanted tennis equipment? No. You wanted a basketball hoop? No. Skateboards? Scooters? No. BMX bike? No. Kid, can you want BMX bike? You can buy it with some money. So now it becomes for every obstacle you complete, it's $500. If you complete uh, the eighth obstacle, which is Mount St. Double there, you get $5,000. Or 1000 per obstacle. If you get the eighth, you get $10,000. Yeah, they went to cash. 
that's when I really lost interest in the show. Like, imagine just the complete crash and burn of someone's love of a game show. They didn't learn the first time around tournaments don't work on the game show. Because now if you're doing a whole season two, there's no need to watch the first episode again or second episode or third episode. In addition to that, because these are specials and are tournaments played out, they were spread out throughout the year. So Halloween week would be on Halloween. Christmas week would be on Christmas. So Kids' Choice Awards during the Kids' Choice Awards, but where's the Double Dare during the year? Is there going to be special Double Dare episodes like standalones in the process that they're going to create? No. That's all you got. And they didn't really do much promotion for these specials. And those ratings fizzled. And you can figure out low ratings means cancellation. For me, it didn't feel like Double Dare. The first half with the physical challenges and the trivia, that's where you get money. That's the money part. That's the cash. The prizes part comes at the end, which is the obstacle course. The eight prizes are all things kids think are cool. Stereos, technology, BMX bikes, basketball hoops, uh, video games, home videos. Like, they had so much to work with. And it felt like to do the tournament style, even though I'm pretty sure the reason was, well, we don't want to offer up prizes in a tournament because then they're only going to get all these prizes and no cash. It just... It just felt like they had to trim the budget somewhere, and they decided, well, this is going to be it. So the cash is at the end of the show. They'll just buy the prizes, I guess, was the idea. Season 2's newest physical challenges all involved, like, a trampoline net on a ceiling so they can do a pop-the-big-balloon challenge. They That was it? That's all we're getting for, like new idea like what it either sounded like nickelodeon didn't have confidence in this reboot or they were getting a lot of messages on how to we make double dare even greater than it already is and they listened to some of the wrong people because what makes double dare work and this is the closing part of the show is that for kids, it's that aspiration of getting away with things. You're going to be making messes that you can't do at the home. It's questions about stuff that's not just in your schoolwork, but in pop culture that you might already know. It's being rewarded for essentially the things your parents told you not to do. And in a 2019 reboot, the kids who were told not to do things are now the parents. So everything's the fun-loving parent. So you should be encouraging these kids to do some really outrageous fun stuff because you live a little YOLO, as it were. And celebrities are a crux. It really is just like the zero-effort idea in game shows. Well, how do we appeal ratings? Celebrity edition. So you get the kids to be with the celebrities. So the idea being, here is the famous celebrity doing the physical challenge, and then they get messy, and then we're going to put that on YouTube, and then it goes viral, so then it gets more views. That's kind of what the uh, purpose is. So you're going to have Keenan versus Kel. 
and here's Keenan from SNL getting covered in whipped cream or whatever, wouldn't that be the time to say, hey, guess what? Double Dare, it's on Friday nights at 8 on Nickelodeon. No, they didn't even bother to do that. Double Dare Season 2 is everything I dislike about modern game shows. And I'm not even kidding. So going from the kid who is like six years old, seven years old, eight years old, looking at Mark Summers and laughing and seeing like the giant nostril and and seeing like the, the little works and the little grinder and the kid wash and then seeing Jason Harris's version and being like 12 years old, 13 years old and going like, I'm old enough to be a contestant, but I don't have a big enough family. So I can never be a contestant on Double Dare ever. And it's just like still in trying to enjoy the show to being a grown adult and seeing friends of mine work on this new double dare and being like, this is so cool. I'm so glad and proud of all my friends working on the show. Cause I know they work hard on this. And then season two happened and it just felt like <sighs> celebrity specials tournament editions. Cause we didn't learn about family double dare cutting back the budget because we need to save our face on this. All of these things are stuff I hate in modern game shows. I'm honestly surprised they didn't do confessionals during this season. I'm pretty sure they almost were going to. They didn't cut to commercial during a, was this a dare or double dare? We'll get your result right after this. I'm surprised they didn't even get to do that. You had great chemistry of Liza Koshy with the contestants dancing with the audience. You had Mark Summers finally fitting into that box of what would make a really good announcer sidekick character. If there's something messy, it's going to be around Mark, but Mark will never get messy. But time after time, it was like stuff that was not necessary was thrown in. It felt like every last ditch effort being used. When I saw Family Double Dare Tournament as a kid, I did not like it at all. And then this becomes the thing? Why? They didn't promote any new episodes. Why? It felt like Nickelodeon did not have faith in the show, even though so many people put their hearts into the show. And season two felt like, well, we'll bring it back for 20 episodes, but for half the budget. Is that okay? And this is what they came up with. And we got to have celebrity specials because we need to have celebrities because this might help our YouTube. This might help the... No. 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 That's why a lot of ABC Summer Fun and Game shows I don't get excited about. It's why, for me, I get very pessimistic whenever I now hear a reboot of a game show. It's why this is the last episode of game shows i suppose before our season finale because the ultimate takeaway is while game shows are fun and innovative and are supposed to delight audiences and have a great presentation with a fantastic format sometimes you just gotta face facts that it's also a show business and it's just a commodity made to be bought and sold and yes even your childhood can be for sale so while I'm more than upset about season two, maybe the clue, the dead giveaway is when Mark Summers is doing the obstacle course in the second half, 
because he's such a great host. And there's always that big, messy obstacle called the slime zone. And it's like a big squeeze pouch, and slime's going to spray all over. And he's going to a section of the crowd, and they're going, and you're in the slime zone. And the kids are not really excited, and they're going, that should be your sign that maybe pack it up. Well, to me, Double Dare is one of those great game shows because at one moment you're answering trivia questions, the next moment mess is flying all over the place. And as a kid, you're just running around going, this is great, this is awesome. It just feels like for season two and onward, it just felt like nostalgia and IP are all that matter. And you are a parent now, so try and get your kid to like the same things you like. And I get it. Like, I grew up in the 90s, so a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s would air in the 90s as the thing the parents liked that they're giving to their kids. So you would see Flintstones and Jetsons, maybe Wacky Races. I'm sure somewhere out there there was a parent going, you have to like Howdy Doody. You must like Howdy Doody. But my big fear of all this is, well, then what's in it for the kids today? What's the stuff that they're going to be looking into 20 years into the future as the stuff from their childhood? Is it going to be original stuff or it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember Scooby-Doo and I remember the rebooted Johnny Bravo. I do not know if there's a reboot Johnny Bravo. I'm just throwing that out there. That to me, a really good game show can actually show us who our real selves are. So I'm glad I could spend the last almost two hours talking to you about Double Dare, a good game show with a great host, great questions, and great challenges. But like all the high-stakes game shows in the world, one wrong move could be their last. Thank you once again for tuning in.